It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Fans, Kyle Krabs, Locked On Dolphins. Today is Wednesday, October 26th, and it is Power to the Pod, our weekly mailbag episode. All the things that you want to talk about, that's what we're getting into here today on Locked On Dolphins. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, Locked On Dolphins, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, co-founder of the DraftNetwork.com, your team every day. We don't just say it. want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. Power to the pod is back. Today, it's all of the questions that you have sent in. We are going to be diving headfirst into here today on the show because uh, I want to get a pulse on this fan base after a win in week seven. Get a pulse on where we were before the win <laughs> because we have several of these questions that were backlogged from prior the prior week. So we're going to tackle anything that's still topically relevant. I'll shout out as many of you guys as I possibly can. Uh, with that said, we do have an obscene, obscene amount of questions that have been submitted. So uh, with that in mind, let's go ahead and dive in. Uh, just a couple of administrative notes for the Dolphins. The team did make a handful of roster moves. The most significant of these is that they did indeed place Brandon Jones on injured reserve. Um, Coach McDaniel alluded to... Uh, this being something that felt evident, they don't necessarily have all of the information on exactly how dire the forecast is for the remainder of the season. Uh, but this is a tough loss for the Dolphins, absolutely. Uh, Brandon Jones has been playing good football. He's one of the best tacklers on the defense. Uh, so they placed him on injured reserve. They placed wide receiver Freddie Swain on the practice squad slash injured list. And then they added two to the practice squad, Calvin Jackson, a wide receiver, and defensive back Jamal Perry. Jamal Perry should sound familiar uh, because he's a player who has spent a significant amount of time with the Miami Dolphins over the course of the past several seasons. So uh, it's cool to see Jamal Perry back. I thought he um, had a really fun story. He played in 31 games with seven starts for the Dolphins over three seasons from 2019 to 21. Familiarity with the system. Right, He's played significantly on special teams. He played four games for the Dolphins in 2021, making two special teams uh, tackles before being placed on injured reserve in November of last year, played at Iowa State. So that is uh, some of the roster moves early in the week here. Uh, we did see another NFL trade elsewhere across the rest of the league, the Dallas Cowboys trading for Jonathan Hankins, uh, defensive tackle, reminder, uh, this week is effectively it for the trade deadline. And yeah, there's been some allusions to the Dolphins being in the market and, and looking to get something done. And to that, I would just 
kindly ask you guys to stay patient, right? Deadlines spur action, and we, as we've seen with Chris Greer, uh, he's not afraid to make a deal um, if he feels as though the value is fair. And I applaud not frantically overreacting to the defensive back situation, but I certainly think you look at that situation. And if you can get another player in here for uh, what would equate to a mid to late draft selection that we see what the third and fourth round picks of, of this year's rookie class. And this is not to say that Channing Tindall and Eric Azukama aren't going to be good Dolphins football players, because I think they absolutely are. But that's just the reality of the vast majority of day two and day three rookies coming into the NFL. That's a big transition. And if you're a team that's looking to win in an immediate window, you can look at those mid-round draft selections and as long as you have a surplus of them and the Dolphins have done well to pull draft picks and, and put themselves in this position, you can say, well, is that going to be, is, is the 110th pick in the draft going to be more valuable to the Dolphins or an established NFL player who we have financial flexibility with that can help us win right now? That's my general thoughts on the trade deadline. And I know we have, uh, a lot of questions as it pertains to the trade deadline. So let's go ahead and dive in. Uh, first one is from depth. Depth underscore from, actually. Love Kyle's work. Uh, kind words. Appreciate checking out both Locked On Dolphins and uh, Draft Network. Entertaining analysis helps me considering more angles, opinions to some issues around the game of football. My power to the pod question. With Brandon Jones maybe done for the year and Mike Gusecki seemingly on the block, do you see the Finns trying to package the Gusecki compensation with another player or pick to make a move for Jesse Bates? Now, the Bengals are back on track, but it doesn't look like they'll pay him and hasn't been playing lights out anyway. Well, it might feel like a bit of overkill. The system needs great DBs, and Rowe will probably be going next year anyway. Prefer another offensive tackle, um, but Bates could be a good addition too. Thanks for your work. From Germany. I don't think Mike Gusecki carries a lot of trade value across the league. Um, I remember there was a, a poll done of executives uh, for the top 10 tight ends in football last year by ESPN. And like, I don't even think Mike got a vote. I think the perception of Gusecki across the league is that he is a limited player. And while we've certainly seen Mike, win consistently as a receiver if, for actually playing the tight end position. And he's shown admirable effort right this year, but it, I, I think it would be fair to, to assess. It's probably never going to be a strength of, of Mike as a blocker. So you'd have, you're in a really weird spot where you have to find a team that wants to buy and has room to spend while also having something of significance to send away. And I, I don't think Cincinnati, you know, th they do have some depth, and they just spent a first-round pick in Daxton Hill out of Michigan. But they've been pretty resistant to play him early on. I think that that he is their long-term replacement. But Lou Anarumo, the defensive coordinator there, pretty much came out and said, like, I'm not going to play Daxton Hill until I know Daxton Hill knows what's going on. And I don't want to rotate corners either. So he sounds like somebody who's probably risk adverse to making this dynamic of a change. And while the Cincinnati offense is one that I could certainly see Mike bringing some value because of his vertical receiving skill set. I mean, they, 
they got Higgins, Chase, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon. Even in that offense, is he anything better than the uh, upgraded fourth option? And you're pushing Tyler Boyd down to the fifth option? That feels like an overinvestment. So I think Cincinnati's going to look at would, would look at this proposal and be like, "We're good, thanks. We got enough receiving depth as is." So I don't think you're going to package Mike in a pick to get like an actual long term starting player because the financial question mark of a what you have to pay Mike now and b what you're going to have to pay him on an extension is. Um, an uncertainty. I don't know how many teams are going to position themselves to sign up for. Uh, so uh, your optimal window for recouping for Mike is closed. In my opinion, uh, MK dolphin. Good to see you again. Uh, what will it take for Tua to understand to not take unnecessary contact? He could have gotten hurt lowering his head on multiple runs. We need him on the field. Yes, we do need him on the field. I do think there is a little bit of difference. Uh, from hits that you do see coming versus hits that you you don't see coming or hits where you are athletic and on the move versus hits where you are stationary in the pocket. Now, with that said, yeah, would like to slide. And, and I will give two a credit. On the, the touchdown play in the red zone, he stepped up in the pocket and he thought about running before ultimately deciding to, to, to take the check down and throw the ball away. And there was another play in the game during the two-minute offense at the end of the first half where Tua took off on a scramble, and he did slide. But I think what's frustrating about that is he started his slide two yards behind the line to gain. And it set the Dolphins in this really weird spot where they they had third and one, and then they had to burn a timeout. They ran a bunch of time off the clock, and it effectively killed any chance of you hoping to go down and get seven points. Um, So that's an area that's still a learning Area for him, I I respect and appreciate the effort to it's third and eight. I know I can get six and a half without any contact. Let's try to get the first down. I I appreciate that one. I thought the other hit that he took where he uh, ran into Devin Bush and he came to the sideline and told Mike McDaniel, I needed that effectively saying to get back to get back in the game and feel like I was back in myself and comfortable. I needed to take a hit. Okay. I'm more concerned about hits in the pocket than outside the pocket. But he did show an awareness when he got outside the pocket to at least take a couple opportunities. Now let's steamroll it, right? Let's start to take more. Before we go any further, I have a word from our sponsor for today's episode of Locked on Dolphins Better Help. It can be tough to train your brain to stay in problem-solving mode when faced with challenges in life. But when you learn how to find your own solutions, there's no better feeling. A therapist can help you become a better problem-solver, making it easier to accomplish your goals, no matter how big or small they really are. If you're thinking about giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, accessible, affordable, and entirely online. You can get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey and switch therapists at any time. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can help get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash locked on today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on. We also have uh, a phenomenal 
opportunity for everybody listening here on Locked on Dolphins to get themselves a little bit of swag, a little bit of comfortable swag. And when I say comfortable swag, I mean uh, the most comfortable pants you will put on your body. And you hear, you might hear me say these are really comfortable pants. But what I really mean is the most comfortable pants you will put on your body. You can receive a pair of pants, sweats, joggers, or khakis, and get a free rope hat as well from our friends over at Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs just launched sweatpants. They're super comfortable. Uh, they're great for playing golf, running out in the yard with the kids, throwing the football around. We do in the, the Thanksgiving thing where everybody get together with all your old buddies from high school and play tackle football, pretend it's the old days, and wake up for the next four mornings wondering why you thought that was a good idea. Uh, why don't you make sure you don't just scratch your knees up and get a pair of Bird Dogs too? Uh, the they are so so comfortable. Seriously, you can go to birddogs.com, enter promo code locked on, and you get a free rope hat with your purchase. That's birddogs.com, enter promo code locked on, and boom, free bird dogs rope hat with your pair of bird dogs. The most comfortable shorts, pants, and sweatpants with built in liners. You will not take these things off. I promise you. Our next question comes from Sam, and Sam wants to know if Chase Edmonds needs to go. Well, actually, he words it. Chase Edmonds needs to go. Yes or yes. But seriously, why has he been so bad? Keep up the great work. Um, player, players, let's let's remember players are people, right? And, and Chase, early in the season, had a successful game against New England. And then he had a couple misplays. And once he started having the misplays, one thing that I think has been very apparent is now Chase is pressing as a player because he's in his own head for making a few out what is usually out of character mistakes as a football player. And that battle, I think you see him waging with himself internally on the field, whether it's dropped passes in the flat or, or on out routes on third down, uh, whether it's uh, misdiagnosing, the front because you're looking to make a big play and you're trying to guess and anticipate where there's going to be room to, to go prematurely. It's a, it's a tough spot to be in, but the dolphins, the way they get through this is I, I would honestly come out and one of the first plays of the game, maybe on the second drive, one of the first plays early in the game against Detroit, I'm going to go out of my way to give Chase Edmonds a touch. You, you've got to, in the same way that we are all sitting here right now, hoping that an interception by Noah Benogany at the end of the game against the Steelers is the catapult and confidence that he needs to get out of his own way, live up to his physical potential. Chase Edmonds is a super talented player. But you need to find him an opportunity and you need to find him a touch that allows him to be the best version of himself and hopefully give him something to springboard off of. I definitely think Chase Edmonds is pressing right now. Um, and he, he's a lot better player than what he's been able to, to put on the field the last couple of weeks. And I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll get to see him turn that around. Andres with our next question. I wanted to say I discovered the pod last year before the season started and haven't looked back. Well, I appreciate you listening first and foremost. I was wondering what you thought of moving Austin Jackson to left guard and leaving Shell at right tackle. Not sure if AJ has the guard for uh, guard skill set. 
But if not, what would you recommend we try in order to fix the offensive line? This is assuming Armstead plays, of course. Well, we, we know Austin's on the clock to come back. He he practiced, and then we haven't seen him for two weeks. And you've got 21 days from when you put a player back on the practice field to come back and play. I don't know if this is a compliment to Brandon Shell. I don't know if this is an indictment. I know Mike McDaniel said the team has not suffered a setback with Austin Jackson. Maybe it's a little bit of both. I certainly think Brandon Shell has alleviated the immediate pressing. Oh my goodness, what are we going to do? Concern at, at offensive tackle at that right tackle spot. It's been good. Uh, he's been solid. I think you can live in a world where Austin, do you want an in-season waiver claim to push your young guys that you choose to spend a first and a second round pick on, push one of them out of the starting lineup? No, of course you don't. I think what is concerning about taking Austin and moving him now to not just the left, the right side, the left side, but moving him inside is unless he's actively been working on some of this internally, that's a big change. And it's a big communication change. It's a big communication change for Connor Williams and Teron Armstead on the left-hand side. And I just don't know that you want to do that. So um, I've kind of already alluded to my, I, and I would have probably done this already, is I would have probably given uh, Michael Dieter a chance to take some snaps. Now, the coaching staff very clearly feels differently for one reason or another. Okay. Good to know. They almost feel Michael Dieter is exclusively a backup center. Okay, you're in great hands with a backup center then. But is this the best five? We're starting to show some signs of life in the run game, and I think that's a good thing. And hopefully we can see that momentum continue to build. We have a question from Marty. Oh, God, it's a draft question. The Dolphins are four and three, week eight. We got a draft question, and it's about a quarterback. Okay. Okay. This individual's name is Marty. For any fans who are furious that I'm talking draft, please understand. Draft guy at heart, but the Dolphins made me a draft guy at heart when I was young, and we had very many seasons in which I was thinking about the draft in November because of the way the team was playing. Curious your thoughts on the prospects of the Dolphins investing an early pick rounds one through three, so day one or day two, on a high upside developmental quarterback, thinking Cam Ward, Washington State, Hennon Hooker, Tennessee. I think, it's, I think at this point it is fair to label Tua as somebody who has durability questions, like it or not, and I hate saying it. I think it would do us wonders to have someone in the wings learning the system with game-changing upside. I do like Skyler, but I see him as more of a backup level type player, which is still a great find for the seventh round. What are your thoughts here? I'm, I'm ready to have this conversation in the event that Tua does not make it to the rest of the season unscathed because you're at this intersection now where I think you can win games with Tua Tongvaloa. I don't know what the ceiling is with Tua Tongvaloa yet. And, and I don't think anybody realistically does. Um, but if he misses time again, that's where the intersection for me gets a little scary of we need to see him play a full season. 
we need to make a very large financial decision about the future of the team at the position. And there is no more expensive position. There's no more expensive decision you will make. Um, Now, you you do have the wiggle room of the fifth-year option if you want to use it, and then you have a couple of franchise tags beyond that if Tua continues to play well, but you're still leery about the long-term six-year, $210 million contract, which is like around what the going rate for all these young quarterbacks that are drafted by a team and getting a second contract is. Um, so that for me is I'm still in wait and see. Now, if you told me that you could get a super toolsy guy to add to the room, so Teddy gone at the end of the year, right? But you're going to have Tua, and then you're also going to have Skyler. Would I love to get a super toolsy developmental guy and have that serve as your complete quarterback room? Yes, I absolutely would. Now it's a question of if day one slash day two is too early. If you feel like you can win with Tua, you probably aren't going to be all the way in on, yeah, let's spend a round one pick on Cam Ward or Hennon Hooker, hypothetically, just throwing those two names because they're the two that were provided here. That's that, and, and for me too, that's a really tough pill to swallow. If you get to the end of the year and you say, hey, I don't think it's going to work long-term, so we need to think of a transition plan, then that would be on the table. I'm not there yet, Right. Again, I believe you can win games at the NFL level and enough games to go to the playoffs and be in the playoffs every year with Tua Tungvalu because he has a unique skill set. He has things that he does that make the Dolphins challenging to defend when they are at their best and they, that they are healthy. And I still do not think we have seen remotely close to a complete effort for 60 minutes offensively. The run game's got to continue to get better. So I think the 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 stratosphere of picks that you have introduced here is too too rich for me right now. I, I wouldn't go there, um, and because you do, especially because you do have a couple team option approaches that you can take. Now, for me to have that be a firm, strong opinion, I want to see two play the rest of this year. And stay healthy, protect yourself, understand you're the franchise quarterback, and leave no doubt. That's We've gone from it's a must-have, must do-or-die year for Tua to now you get a chance. The, the, the narrative has changed to leave no doubt. So that's the challenge for Tua right now. Learn from the, from the lessons that this, the first seven games of the season have provided you. Execute at a high level. And leave no doubt that you are this team's franchise quarterback. And I hope he does it. I I genuinely hope he does it. But a large part of that, as you said, Marty, is going to be tied back to the best ability is availability. So he has to take that uh, part of of the role of a franchise quarterback very, very seriously. Prize picks is daily fantasy done right. You pick two to five players. They score more or less than their prize picks projection. You can win up to 10 extra money on any entry. There's no competing against other people. It's you versus the projections available in-house with projections offered on any and every sport you could possibly imagine. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy with safe and fast withdrawals and currently operational in over 30 states and Canada prize picks. 
is the app you need to download. So download the app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, they'll give you another $100. If you put in $50, they'll give you another $50. That's with promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to 100 big ones. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let me get a sip here. Hold on. Take us to a Super Bowl (laughs) from Canada. (laughs) That's a good one. That's a good user, Dave. I like that. Uh, With our next question. Huge fan listening from Canada. Oh, it's another draft question, but it's about the tight end position. Let's go. My draft Knicks popping up big time today on Power to the Pod. What are your thoughts on Dalton Kincaid out of Utah as a potential answer to our tight end position? Remarkable playmaker and a great blocker. Love the pod. Yes. I would take both the, the Utah tight ends. I don't know if you guys watch college football with any level of frequency, but uh, – uh, Brant Kythe is the other one, and he's a little bit more of a hybrid type. He's a little bit more what uh, I guess I would say the skill set there is probably more in line with what you get in a Durham Smythe type player, but he's a much, much, much m- more nuanced receiver. And then Kincaid is the inline guy. If you told me you walked out of this year's draft with both of the Utah tight ends, I am over the moon excited. So, yes, I think that's a great call. Davenport with our next question. We're going to try and blitz as many of these as we can here at the end of the show. Uh, Davenport from the U.S. Um, Kyle, I'm probably in the minority, but I love the, quote, preachy, emotion-filled podcasts. I love seeing how much you care about the team and always chuckle out of you proving your point. Uh, question, I noticed McDaniel went for two points after scoring the garbage time touchdown and put the Dolphins within one score of the lead. This is a decision you don't see often and speaks to coaching by analytics. Are you able to speak to the analytics department of the Dolphins and how involved the team may be in analytics? Hope the one day have a bourbon with you and chat some Dolphins football. In the meantime, keep up the great work. If you haven't heard of Nashville Barrel Company, you should look them up. Best juice around at a price point of around 100 a bottle. Let me write that Nashville Barrel Company down. Okay. Uh, as far as McDaniel, I think you, you've seen several decisions made, and this this isn't even more appropriate as dictated by uh, the decision not to kick against Pittsburgh to start the second half, uh, to kick the field goal. McDaniel said it was not an analytics-fueled decision. Uh, but the Dolphins have a lot of resources available to them. I, I know that they care. I mean, they're not the stone age. We don't want more information, right? Uh, and analytics is obviously a very buzz 
word, an emotion-inducing word, because a lot of people hear the phrase and they say, oh, well, numbers doesn't account for context. And it's right. It doesn't. So that's why I appreciate, I at least appreciated that Mike McDaniel said when he didn't kick against Pittsburgh, that it was a gut decision. It was not a decision that was dictated explicitly by numbers. Um, but analytics in general, um, you want to have as many different viewpoints as possible to help you form the best possible decision that you can. I cannot speak to the specifics of exactly how the Dolphins analytics department works, but I, I do know that they, um, as an NFL team, that they have the resources available to offer themselves as many different. And I, I think you have a coach in Mike McDaniel who favors the aggressive approach. And I, I thought, certainly thought you saw the aggressiveness back with Tua behind centers compared to a couple docile weeks with some decisions that they made. Uh, Ick a lick from Canada. Listener from Vancouver. If Mike is not a part of the Dolphins' long-term plans, this is Gusecki. What do you think a fair trade value is in a trade? If you could tr- make a trade today, what position would you target in return? If I'm going player for player, right now I'm probably looking for a defensive back. Um, from a draft pick compensation, obviously that's a hard sell when the team is four and three uh, to go out and get a draft pick that will not help you the rest of the way. Uh, I think if you were going to make a move like that, you, you'd like to have another move lined up uh, to move one of your own draft assets for a player. Um, I don't think you would get a day, day two pick offered for him personally. And I know we've, we've heard the, um, the fan base kind of hope for compensatory picks Two couple things. Remember with compensatory picks, they don't come this year, right? So you lose Mike in free agency this year, hypothetically, you don't get the comp pick till 2024, right? So you got to wait 12 months, which devalues the call, the, the, the actual value of the pick as far as the, the draft itself is concerned. Um, there were, I think there's five players that are projected to net a three in compensatory picks, and they're all getting paid like 17, 16 and a half, 17 million dollars per. Mike's not going to get that. Uh, Evan Ingram, tight end from the Jaguars, got paid nine on a one year deal. And I think he's currently scheduled to fetch a five. And if you spend comparable dollars to what you lose, you neutralize your your net losses in or your net losses in free agency or zero, and you don't qualify for a pick. So I, I think the net a pick is not going to happen. Uh, the Dolphins were, are going to be aggressive because they're in a window now where they they very clearly feel like they can compete. You wouldn't trade a bunch of draft picks for Tyree Kill if you didn't think you were ready to or close to competing. So I think the best offer you're probably going to get is like a five. Honestly, um, is that worth it to you? Depend, probably not. So can you get a player, player for player swap? I don't know. It's a really tough situation. And I, I think if Miami was going to optimize, if they were going to proactively say he's not a part of the plans because they read the tea leaves or the writing on the wall, your window to get that done was probably before June 1st. Or in, in training camp. 
All American with our next question. Love the pod, played in college, view the game through a big picture lens. It's hard to find fans that can do that. Always listening to the pod always scratches the itch. Well, thank you for listening. Glad I can help scratch the itch. Anyways, Liam Eikenberg, is he being held to a much higher standard than even you in the past have held second year offensive linemen? He's struggling, sure, but you discuss scarcity frequently. You're watching the all 22. I'm, I'm not. My question is is Liam getting better and can he develop into a starter, solid player? Or is he not growing, not developing? I hear you. He's not there right now. Are you seeing improvement? Okay. That's a good question. As far as Liam being held to a different standard than young linemen, um, this is around the time last year where I started getting skeptical of Austin. Right? I I usually give guys – try to give guys at least up front two years. Uh, I think what is interesting is, is you see pretty consistently across the league. There are players who leave the team that drafted them. And then they actually, their, their play stabilizes after the first contract. So if you want to get into team building ideologies and strategies, I think there's something to be said for drafting like mid round offensive linemen, especially when you're going to convert their position and the variance that you're going to get there versus the return on investment versus is it better to, to overpay by X percent in free agency to go get guys understanding that uh, they are more likely to play closer to their ceiling. I don't think I'm holding Liam to a much higher standard. I'll say this for Liam. I had Austin Jackson when they drafted Austin Jackson 18th. I had Austin Jackson rated in the 90s. From for draft network purposes, I thought he was a developmental offensive lineman. Robert Hunt, uh, I liked, I thought he was an adequate tackle, really good guard candidate, and he lived up to that pretty quickly. You know, once he got on the field for Liam, I had Liam rated somewhere in the second round. Uh, I thought he was a high floor player. I thought he was a much more pro-ready player than either Robert Hunt or Austin Jackson were. And I think it's it's that perception of him that has led to the narrative that at least I hold with Liam. Because we're not supposed to be dealing with football IQ questions and technique questions and footwork questions and base questions. Now, I think the Dolphins kind of did him dirty last year with how often he bounced around, but he's been settled since. And you do see incremental growth, but I guess my, my question is with his body type and his style of play, I'm not overly sold that living inside long-term for Liam is going to net you a quality starter. Think you can be an adequate player. Yeah. I think you can get to be an adequate player. If you, if you're patient and you ride this out until probably the start of a second contract. So another, another three years, are the Dolphins going to have that patience to have this player in that spot for another three years before you get an adequate starter? And maybe he'll get there much sooner. I hope so. I thought you saw some growth, especially in the run game for Liam uh, this past week. The run game, I think, has always been his strength. So um, I think for me, the, the narrative that I carry for Liam is much more tied to my expectations and what they were when they drafted him 
versus what he's actually been versus the other two guys I always thought were a little bit more developmental types. It's a good question, though. You see growth. I think it's just frustrating to see that the same mistake is something that can happen. Uh, I want to try to, I'll try to get back to some of these, but I see we had reviews from Chad and Hare and Stay at Home Dad and Man Who Can't Even Play and Zach O and Zemlika and Dark Sky. I don't even know. Ash as Zach. Forgive me. I'm not going to figure out how to pronounce that one. <laughs> um, there were a lot more questions that we did not get to. I'm going to see what I can do to try and you know get some of these questions that continue to be topical, uh, turn back around. But I appreciate every single one of you sincerely. I, I sincerely appreciate every single one of you who take the time to listen to this show, who take the time to engage with the community, who take the time to talk to me, reach out to me, um, and are a part of this family that we have here on Locked on Dolphins. So I want to thank each and every one of you as we bring power to the bod to a close here for the week. Um, I'll see what I can do about creating content around some more of these questions because we, we just, we got flooded, uh, which is a good problem to have, but uh, I, I honor the weight that comes with you guys taking time out of your day to leave reviews on the show and want, want to have things that we talk about. So Kyle crabs locked on dolphins signing off for the day. I appreciate you all fins up. Keep it locked in right here on locked on dolphins. We got crossover Thursday tomorrow played accordingly. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.